Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this, the final episode of the Jujitsu Times podcast. Not forever, but just for 2020. And man, we just had to put a button on this absolute corpse of a year and send it out the door. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And we want to keep, we want to get right into it, but the problem is we can't do it without a brief mention of our sponsors, your friends and ours. Our rider dies for this absolutely turbulent shit year. You know I'm talking about no judges needed. Your one-stop shop for all of your grappling slash combat sports needs. I'm talking uh, fight gear like rash guards and shorts. And if you play the pajama game, some geese, maybe go out there and check out one Mr. Kevin Gallagher rocking that gi, looking all spiffy as fuck. And for everybody who wants to let the outside world know how much of a killer you are, we got casual wear. They've got uh, graphic design tees and hoodies. Let everyone know you train because why are you doing this if it's not for social media clout? I defy you. Now, we know end of the year after the holidays, you're probably thinking, man, I just spent a ton of money or I got a bunch of like money from my relatives and no place to spend it. Well, we're here to help you out. Use the promo code JJT at checkout for 20% off all purchases. It's savings, people. Why would you turn down savings? This year has taken so much from all of us, and we're giving a little back to you. So go run to the, the website. Go to nojudgesneeded.com right now. You know, the year might the, – the internet, internet might delete it. We don't know what's going to happen. It's the last little bit of 2020. So just go. We're trying to get you savings, damn it. All right. No judges needed. Thank you so much for sticking with us this year. It's been mania. I'm The house might collapse on me. That's how stressed I am. Getting to the end of this year feels like a panic attack because I don't know when out of nowhere I could get hit by a car or a bull could show up and skewer me with its horns. But I'm going to calm down. That was I'm impressive. Calm down because uh, we're here to put a, like a, a final note on this year. And Kev, I just want to say at the start, You've been, my, you've been my partner in crime throughout this, and I just wanted to say thank you because, holy shit, it's been rough. My, so, my ride or die. Ride or die. How are you doing at, the, at this last day of 2020? We're filming this on New Year's. This, this is uh, – it's 3 o'clock Eastern time on New Year's Day, and I'm doing okay, but I'm also concerned about uh, <laughs> the next 12 hours just to make sure we can get through that point because you never you never know what could happen until the end of this day is over. So 2020 is not over until it's officially over. So no one say it couldn't get any worse. Thank God to think behind us because – you never know what evil 2020 has lurking for us around the corner. There was this great, uh, there was this great um, comic that I saw online that was, uh, it was like a, a workstation, like a clock-in station at work, and coronavirus was clocking out. And he's like, oh, hey, man, hey, man, how you doing? And, the, and aliens were like, hey, hey, bro, thanks for clocking out. I'll take it from here. And I'm like, fuck, you know what? Maybe. I, <laughs> aliens might just show up and be like, hey, guys, it's our time. Yeah, you never, you never know, you never know what the rest of this year has held for us. So I'm doing my best to try to, uh, try to, try to stay away from trouble as much as I can until until midnight when this thing blows through. Now I want to take us back a little bit um, because we start we started in late 2019, you know, in November, 
but it really feels like the like 2020 was where we did most of our, our right operating. the first the first three shows were just us literally you know talking to ourselves over each other and it was it was it was a it was a, a fun little trial and error to see how we got our until we got our chemistry set up. Again, we straight up forgot to record the first that's ever episode. So, so that's totally just did. that's that just was so great. in the void. And I'm just like, oh man, this is gonna be some gonna be some of our ride. best work yet. <laughs> some bad loss to the technology guys. We we solved uh home uh income inequality, we solved the tax rate, we solved race relations, all of that. And I think exactly. we even cured cancer. And then we just thought we'd look at it after, but it's gone now. It's in the ether. We officially crowned Gordon Ryan the king of jujitsu. It was uh, exactly right. You know, we, we on had video, a, an equation actually, to, to write it up. <laughs> actually, on during the broadcast, Gordon showed up and he tried to fight me. And on camera, I beat him pretty hand over fist. And you know, he's just. <laughs> if we would record it, if we only would recorded that, <laughs> it's funny because I remember while I was beating up Gordon, Andre Galvao and Felipe Pena showed up at your house, and you beat yes. them both at the same time. Yes. Yes. It was right. crazy, but no one's ever going to see that, you know. Never. But we'll never, to... will never be seen by by the public eye. Yeah, so we we did a lot this year. A lot of crazy stuff happened, but then you know, COVID slowed us down quite a bit. You. I, if I remember correctly, you had a concussion at around the, the start oh, that's of right. COVID. I did, yeah, I did. I was, I had, man, I had a nasty little concussion that was hovering around right in the beginning of the COVID, like right when COVID first started breaking. It made it maybe nuts. You think about, think about the the hysteria surrounding the first two months of of, of COVID, and then now think about living through that with a brain traumatic brain injury, <laughs> trying to process. I lost my shit. I'll be I'll be the first to say that I I kind of went off the deep end for about uh, for about three months, but I managed to hold it together well enough to get to this. Point. I, yeah, I just wanted to I wanted to reiterate that you were going through it in a way that you know obviously people <laughs> everywhere had a wow. rough time. But man, <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this year of review now, Kev. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a we some of those earlier episodes uh uh the first couple months of the of the year this year when we, we when COVID broke were pretty funny i could i i want to go back and watch a few of the uh you know you never know what pops out uncle coach kevin's mouth sometimes when his brain's ringing <laughs> well i just wanted to i i wanted to bring that up only to say you know i i saw you have to struggle with that and you really came through and like and focused in and how great is it that you can look back on that rough time and now things are a little better you know, the, but the world was so scary back in those early days because no one really knew what was going to happen. Well, it was nuts. It was nuts. When, when, when COVID first broke, I mean, there was, it was, you know, it's, we're getting to the point now where, you know, I don't 100% believe the narrative that the media is out to get us and the world is out to get us, but I will lean towards the fact that they may have created a bit more undue hysteria in those early days when we look back in retrospect into what is happening now. Because um, I can remember when, the, when in back in March and April, when things were first getting going, and we had the constant stream from those European countries, COVID's coming, and there was, you know, they were rushing dead bodies out of the hospitals in in, in Italy, and the city was shut down and bedlam. And I I literally thought that you know the zombie apocalypse was on the way, coming across the Atlantic Ocean, and and now we see, you know, and, and I'm by no means downplaying. COVID at all. I'm not trying to say that. Go get vaccinated, wear your mask, do the things you're supposed to do. It's still a very deadly disease. But I think we're coming to the realization that it might not be the cataclyptic uh, apocalyptic, uh, apocalyptic, yeah, cat, whatever. Cat, I can't think of the word. I, I combined the two yeah. words, but uh, you know, event and end, end event, humanity ending event that we uh, 
we thought it might be. I definitely think it just – I agree, but I also think it highlighted how unprepared we were for anything like this. That too. You know, like I think we just – there should have been a lot more in place to sort of keep us – at least from completely having to shut everything down. You know, people forget – how empty New York's like streets were like, right. like central central park was basically empty. Times square was empty. People were going there just to take pictures of it. Like right, I'm the last man there. on earth. Right. And, and I know it's tough to think of wh- when things were really getting serious, it was, it seemed selfish to think immediately about how this would affect jujitsu, but I couldn't help but think, man, I wonder when we're going to have what people are going to say, Hey, this, this art where you wrestle each other in a sweaty room, maybe you should cancel it. And I, I wanted to take us back to like the first time you heard the first person to signal the alarm about shutting down was Keenan. Like he was the first guy. That's right. He was, he was, he was the first one to toot that horn and everything kind of went after that. I remember, Oh God, you got a good memory, Kev. That's impressive. I mean, I, I had to go back and list on all the things that were happening. <laughs> That's I, why you're the brains of this outfit. You're very prepared. I'm happy for that. <laughs> yeah. So like going back, Keenan was the first guy to say, hey, all my like my my school is closing down indefinitely. We, he said indefinitely. We don't know when we're going to come back. And everybody gave him quite a bit of shit over it. I remember yeah. the DDS guys were like, he was already beefing with them pretty bad. But like they came on and said, hey stupid idiot gary tonin was like bat like this is dumb and but i also think that was from a they're business owners and they don't want a trend that happens where they have to like lose a lot of money and risk losing a lot of their students but then marcello closed it was keenan and then marcello and then everyone was kind of like oh okay hey all right well we're not gonna say anything about you know, marcello. Speaking <laughs> of marcello garcia, you know marcello garcia hasn't been open since he closed up his gym has not been open for almost a year now i was talking to matt arroyo and he's pretty tight with marcello i mean he talks to him quite a bit my head instructor matt arroyo and um he told me they talked to marcello the other day and marcello was like yeah i haven't been open since that time that first time i closed we've been closed the entire time since then that's insane to me that like, was nuts to me. You think I think that happened about like like I don't know if it was the whole year, but I'm guessing uh March about March was when yeah, right, right, right. that's when everything started going off the off. I remember off the rails I actually I did a tournament on like March first and I remember <laughs> thinking, All right, uh, I did my tournament and then the week after I just ate yeah. like I drank vodka and ate cheesecake every day. <laughs> I gained fifteen pounds and I was just like, All right, I'll get back in the gym. Everything shut down. I'm like, Vodka and oh. cheesecake. I can't like. I guess whatever floats your boat. <laughs> it's an odd hey. combination to me, but hey, man. Oh, it's a lot of tiramisu too. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I was living my fat boy life. I felt like I'm gonna. I'm immortal. I'll never die. I'll never age. I'm, well, but think just, about that for a second, though. Think, think about all of the people that are in the same boat as you did. Woke up, uh, you know, January first, two thousand twenty. Looking about what their jujitsu goals are going to be for, they're going to compete this year. I'm going to do a couple competitions, you know, and it's March. Maybe you got two or three in, and then all of a sudden, when you're just getting your when you're just getting your momentum going, you're just ready to keep going and conquer this year. What happens? Boom! They pull the rug out from you. You can't train anymore. Just like that. It's crazy. It's it's a it's a crazy thing. uh, So many people were derailed, and I want to. This is interrupting our our timeline. Just kind of a look back at how crazy this year has been. But I want to give a shout out to anyone who has stayed committed to some form 
of self-improvement. Now, I'm not saying you, if you got completely derailed, guess what? I'm with you. You know, I, I had a pretty shit year in terms of sticking with some some commitments, but I, I do understand that like there are people out there who know how hard jujitsu is. And they're like it's a meme, like you get one stripe and you're out. You know, you get your blue belt and you're out. There's never been a better excuse to quit jujitsu than this pandemic. So to anybody who's stuck with it in some form, even though it's tough and even though you might have had to only look at instructionals online at home or drill with your buddies in your basement, uh, thank you. Because, you know, this, this sport, it's, it's wounded right now. Like how many gyms do we know personally that have closed down or had to move to a smaller building? Like, and not just, not just rinky-dink gyms, some, some real, real big gyms. You know, we had uh, Kyle Terry's gym. Kyotera, Gary Tonin had to move like close one of his locations. It hasn't closed yet, but it hasn't been opened. You can't, you, you got to imagine no matter what they're going through, no matter how deep their pockets are, they got to keep paying rent on a piece of property right in the middle of freaking Midtown in, uh, in Manhattan. That can't be cheap at all where you're not bringing income in. Yeah. And I got to, like the gyms that tried to operate, but were like fined by, you know, local law enforcement for whatever reason. It's, it's just, it's rough. The margins on this sport are already so narrow and, there, there was no real support for something like this. So to, to, to everybody that kept training, you know, good on you. And that's that's it's equally impressive that throughout all of the uh, the, the roadblocks and throughout all the problems and and, and and things we've have to deal with over this over the course of this year with COVID, um, you know, it's amazing to me. I just thought about this the other day. The fact that we still have things to talk about, we still have figured out a way to keep jujitsu alive. The competitive jujitsu scene is alive. Like Seth Daniels, you know. You know, kudos to you for out there, you know, out there plugging away, man, doing what you do. Like, like people could talk trash about Seth as much as you want. You know, he's, he's not the easiest person to get along with. And he's going to tell you the way it is, the way it is. And sometimes it's not what people want to hear, but that's just, that's the person that he is. But you can't say enough about that guy for really going out there and plugging away and doing what he loves to keep this sport of jujitsu and the momentum about jujitsu going. It's, it's, it's like, he's just like full speed ahead, like against, against the hurricane it reminds me of that you know the meme with the guy with the american flag with the hurricane blowing in his face and he's out there banging his head in the air like that's seth daniels right now carrying jujitsu to the future and, and you know, i want to thank you and you know ryan mcguire and and and, and the guys over at sug grappling you know kale son and and, and what, what's her name i forget heather the Stanley. heather stan you know thank you all you guys for for just you know thumbing your nose in the air and figuring out a way to keep this thing going because it's keeping interest alive in jujitsu and helping us to be able to continue having podcasts and interviewing guys. And, you know, even even though people can't train, they can at least watch some things on TV. They can watch their favorite competitors. Like, you know, thank you for all that stuff. I would, I would also like to add to that list. I know we're not covering everybody, but uh, David Aguzzi of grappling industries, another guy who's maintained a lot of big shows at the local, super local level, you know, going around giving, People the chance to compete. Also, Jordan Peitzman, you know, the madman from Iowa. He's he's building something really special with subspectrum jo down there. Jo Josh LeDuke. Josh LeDuke. Uh, he just saved that. Uh, he just saved that women's uh, women's only. Uh, I forget what it was yeah. called. Dangerous Ladies of Jiu Jitsu. I think it was the uh, the tournament. A couple a uh, couple weeks back. A couple about a month or so back. You know, continue to yeah. plug away with Sapatera. I will say though that I know there was some grappling industry shows into quarantine that were sort of on the books and were able to be held. But if we look back at that time, there was really nothing going on. You know, the Third Coast Grappling had been canceled. A lot of events were being canceled days before they were 
set to premiere. Everything kind of got started again when Submission Underground 12 happened, you know, and they, they, it got announced. From, and from, the grand, from the grain silo in Oregon. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm here and we're still doing this. We're still having this event. And, you know, Kevin Casey, he might un unseat Chael, uh, he might unseat Craig Jones and take that belt. <laughs> uh, you know, and it really is true. That's very true because amidst everything, Chael Sonnen was like, it ain't going to happen. We'll figure it out. We'll do whatever we're going to do. And literally almost like pirate radio style, almost almost in a corner without anybody knowing, like like with, with the cops possibly breaking the door down if they found out the spot he was at. It had that kind of feel. And God bless God bless the freaking uh, submission underground, guys. I love that promotion yeah. so much. I hope it never goes away. I don't care I, if the jiu-jitsu sucks. I don't give a shit. But I don't you, care. You can make like a document. After we, we got the chance to talk to Heather, I want uh, learning more about what went into that event kind of makes the story even more miraculous because right. Chael was on air saying, yeah, we're working with law enforcement. We're working with the local government. And then we asked Heather about it, and she's like, yeah, he said that. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, no, we kind of – There listen. was like clandestine meetings <laughs> in airports and driving people to different hotels. It's just the real Why story reality. Yeah, no, and I think that the, the, the maverick way that this happened, it was the only way it was ever going to happen. Someone like that with enough clout had to take the chance and just throw an event out there into the ether and see if it could happen. <laughs> and I think without Submission Underground 12, it's very likely that we might have not have seen any real jujitsu this year. Like think about nationals, think about the IBJJF pans, think about third coast grappling kumites. Those were huge this year. And before Submission Ground Underground 12, we didn't know if anything was going to happen. You and I were worried that we were just going to have to talk was about a, <laughs> It was a very real feeling that everything we were going to do was going to fall apart. What were we going to do? We're exactly. We're going to talk about like jujitsu sequences and try to dig up every old freaking uh, jujitsu uh, legend we can find that would, that would jump on the show with us. You know, it was, uh, was going to be hard work. I mean, there was definitely feelings of concern of like this new renaissance that this new renaissance that jujitsu was experienced. It's just sudden burn, boom, and and professional jujitsu and and full jujitsu academies across the nation was 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 going to end because we just because COVID was going to kill it. I and you know I, I don't know how much I can talk about, but you know behind the scenes at the JJT, we were you know we were worried about our jobs, you know, and yep. being able to to do this like thing that we all love so much, you know that I I get so much joy out of talking with these athletes, you know, because I feel like. Every time I see Max Kellerman or anyone from ESPN try and talk about grappling, I just kind of got to bang my head into a piece of wood until <laughs> I, I lose consciousness. So, like, because really, it even though it's a lot, it's more popular than it's ever been. If guys like us aren't out there talking about it the way we want to talk about it, no one will. People will just say, you know, Connor is a striker and Daniel, uh, D Dustin Poirier is a grappler. And traditionally, the grappler doing the striker. Do, do, oh, in, man, in, I'm, I'm never in, getting in a job at ESPN now. <laughs> in the story, right? In, end end of story. interview. Right. End of interview. But I, I think it, it's important. I really just wanted, in this episode, I wanted to sort of make a time capsule. So like when we're on episode 200 or 300, we can look back and see how much fear there was. You know, well, How many times did we bring someone on who just was like, man, it's scary. 
You know, it's it's interesting too because when, when you bring up the idea of you know these uneducated sportscasters that don't necessarily understand the finer details of grappling and their commentators, it's interesting to talk about that. Like, you know, the ESPN buyout of ES of 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 the USC happened right around the time of COVID, so we haven't even really had an opportunity to discuss that because we've been so anesthetized to the fact, oh my God, there's actually still a UFC. I can't believe they're still going to Fight Island and they're still being able to hold events with all the COVID going. But the reality of it is, is throughout all of that, there's been the growing pains of announcers trying to figure out how to, how to commentate correctly for UFC fights in the mainstream ESPN media, being able to really decipher the nuances of, uh, of, 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 you know, what MMA really entails. I think it's a, that's a, we talked about submission underground, but we can't not talk about the UFC. And when, in a in a time where uh, Major League Baseball was put on hold, the hockey's put on hold, football put on hold, uh, every basketball put on hold just right before like the, the finals, and and we had all this craziness happening. The first real sports to get back into the game in a real way were combat sports, and they were throwing things at the wall to see what would work. We had things at the we had events at the UFC Performance Center. We had completely closed off events with no audience. Uh, in fact, we're still having that. And then we had Yas Island for a while. How did it feel to see the sport go so far out of its way to maintain this hot streak that it's been? It's been experiencing, you know, and and once again, we we can look at Dan White and we can say that he was being careless. We could say that he was taking too many chances with uh with with the athletes' lives and the fact that COVID was unknown at that time and stuff like that. Or we could look at Danny White and say that he was a trailblazer that said, "We're not going to show must go on. We're going to figure this out. We're a billion dollar company, five billion dollar company. We can figure out a way to keep people safe. We can isolate athletes. We can do whatever we have to do." to keep the wheels turning so we can have success. And he did it. And it's arguably the template for success that other that other uh, sporting events were using now. They could look at what they did at the UFC and say, okay, well, the UFC managed to figure out a way to keep everybody safe and still keep the show going. Maybe now we can take some of the things that Dana White has used and use it in our to our benefit to keep the NBA going, to keep the NHL going, to keep the NFL going. So Heads, hats off to those guys. Whatever you believe, whatever you think was was right or wrong, they trailblazed and they managed to figure out a way to keep us entertained, to keep us going through these hard times, and that's important. Now, now that we've covered a lot of the big events and the timelines and the and the ever evolving nature of of COVID and and whatnot in this year, I would love to talk about some of the big, just like fights and matches and events that we got to see happen because i think that despite everything we saw some absolute magic on the mats and in the cage this year you know we talk about gaichi ferguson talking about uh khabib being the goat just uh adesanya's rise you know so if let's start with mma were there any matches and or events in the world of, of mixed martial arts that really like stood out to you? And like, what did were any of them bigger than when Henry Cejudo was just mean to you on the street? <laughs> <laughs> I have to bring that up. I forgot about that. I was thinking about that the other day. It's funny you brought that up. <laughs> um, I, I think the one you left off that list that I think was was arguably the, the under the radar greatest thing that happened in MMA, the greatest event that happened in MMA this year was the Daniel Cormier Michael Stipe fight. Um, I kept Stipe Miyak fight. I, yeah. I, you didn't think I was going to yeah. get his name right, did you? <laughs> yeah, 
not this year now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, I, I really believe that that was probably the greatest heavyweight fight of all time. Maybe one of the most amazing fights in the history of the of, of the UFC simply because of the drama that was involved, the, the ebb and flow of the match and, the you know, watching two amazing, amazing competitors, two amazing, amazing figures, legendary figures of, of, of MMA go at it head to head to come out to see who could possibly be in the GOAT contention of the heavyweight division, the greatest guy to ever do it. And it, it, it was amazing to see those two guys so evenly matched go at it round for round for round and then watch Stipe eventually uh, have a little bit more than uh, in Cormio come out on top. It was such an amazing match. I remember I wrote an article about that. It was, a, it was awesome to watch. I think that what was really interesting about all of those fights was how – how much of an underdog people were building Stipe into, you know, the first, first fight, Daniel came in as the like favorite for a lot of big pundits, you know? And I think that Stipe had a lot of shine on his name. He'd coming off, he was coming off a big win against their, uh, uh, Francis Ngannou, who was at that point, an unstoppable killing machine. So his beating him helped his name a lot, but Cormier put on such a great performance in that first, first match that a lot of people didn't know if they wanted a trilogy, you know, and then he went and defeated uh, Derek Lewis, the black beast, one of the funniest guys in MMA. And one of the big parts of like our second episode, when we talked about how jiu jitsu doesn't work. That's right. Um, uh, I was at that fight, Madison square garden fight. That was a great fight. Matt, Matt yeah. On that card. <laughs> yeah, he did. Steamroller. I did, the, I did the ADCC trials that same exact day. We had to watch Matt Frivola's fight, like driving from Jersey into Madison Square Garden on my cell phone in the dashboard of the car. We got there just in time to see uh, Jacare Souza and Tim Weidman. And then the main event was uh, Cormier and um, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, yeah. That was awesome going to Madison Square Garden. First time I've ever been to Madison Square Garden, by the way, maybe a little bit more than we should talk about. But like, if you've never <laughs> been to Madison Square Garden, it's as someone that has grown up a fight fan over the last forty years, uh, boxing matches, all the things where you know what fighting and, and, and hand to hand combat matches and, and combat athletics is all about. Like being able to go to Madison Square Garden is like going to 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 the Coliseum. Church. Or, or to yeah, the Vatican. It's it's, yeah. it's it's an air. It's there's so many amazing fights have been in that building to be able to see a fight there was truly something special. Yeah, fights, concerts. It's it's the greatest stage in, in entertainment for a lot right. of people, and exactly. you, you can't you can't beat it. And I, I remember going into the second fight, a lot of people were thinking it's going to be a wash. You know, Stipe, he's not going to be able to deal with Cormier on the ground. Cormier will take him to the ground. It's just going to be an, it's going to be lights out. And I, I, I'm, I was bummed about that just because I felt like Stipe is a phenomenal, like a phenomenally resilient guy, and he's also craftier than people give him credit for. People kind of just build him into being this dumb dude, but he is a very, very technical guy with a very diverse skill set. And seeing him come out on top with just those body shots in the second fight, he came out of nowhere. I'll, Daniel abandoned taking him to the ground, and I think right. that was to his detriment. But I'm not going to backseat quarterback Daniel Cormier on when he should take someone down right, or not. Exactly. You, know? you don't tell the Olympic wrestler when he's supposed to shoot a single leg or a high crotch. It's just like, yeah, right. he should he should take him down. He should totally take him down. I, I would have took him down. <laughs> he should take him down. <laughs> you know, the, the, the problem with Stipe has always been the fact, and we've talked about this before in previous shows, the fact that you know he's a, he's a working man. He's a blue-collar guy. He's not going to be out there 
hogging for the spotlight. He gets off peak. You know, he he still works at the firehouse in 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 Cleveland where he's from. You know, he's just he's not a spotlight guy. He doesn't care about uh the headlines. He doesn't care about the attention. He just goes out there, does his job, gets out, goes home, drinks a beer, and and and, and gets back to the firehouse. You know, it's things like that that make him kind of fly under the radar as the amazing athlete he is. But I think he's got the longest winning streak in the history of the of, of a heavyweight division. You know, it's something to be said. He's an amazing athlete, an amazing heavyweight that oftentimes doesn't get the recognition because he's not that flashy guy. You know, he's he's a workhorse. He's real. His box is real sharp and crisp. He throws that long jab and the long too. Real hard to take down, but he's going to outwork you. and He's going to win every fight. His voice reminds me of the roughest most in need of repair section of I-95. <laughs> just like this road that's been here forever. Just like it's it's fucking here. And if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a pothole. Fuck too, you. <laughs> he's a monstrous guy. Huge, huge, huge guy. And I think that the that second fight definitely made everyone want the trilogy. Everyone After that, everyone was just like, holy shit, we need this to happen. Right. And that last fight, oh my God, Amazing, both both of them beating the brakes off of each other, and we got to see a phenomenal. No one came away looking like crap after that. Yeah. You know, D- Daniel, he was on his way out the door in a lot of ways, and I don't know if he's officially made his retirement. I think he has. I'm pretty I think sure he, he, has. he said it in the cage. Yeah, I think he talked about he's gonna go home, talk to the family, and see how where we stand. But I think he said he was done. Yeah, and Stipe came out as the the the. The ruler of a division. And in divisions like the UFCs, so many people could claim on the best day to be the guy, you know, even if they don't have the belt. But Stipe is the guy. You know, you know we'll really see. There's not a whole lot of heavyweights out there. You know, with Nagani already beat Nagani. He might have Nagato's, you know, recipe for defeat in his hand in his bag. We'll see if they fight again. But I don't think there's too many guys out there that they're in the heavyweight division that are really gonna give Stipe a run for his money. I don't well, I don't know that there's that star power in the heavyweight division right now. As of as of fairly recently, there is, you know, so we got we got that going for us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, assuming Jones does make the leap, you know, he hasn't had. Is that official yet? yet? If they made that, I mean, they they don't even know that. They, I don't know if you, it's not. It's nothing's official until Dana White says so. And and when I I never pay attention to anything until I see Dana White UFC. John Jones will be fighting his next fight at heavyweight. It's done. We've got a date set, contract signed, because there's so much garbage out there. Because I still think the big fight for him is to fight um, Alessandro. I think Alessandro is going to fight the um, – Sandra's going to fight – Polish powerhouse. Polish yeah. powerhouse. If he beats him, I think the bigger money fight right now and the smarter fight for John Jones, to tell you the truth, is to go down to fight Alessandro or have Alessandro come up and fight him at light heavyweight. Because then really? you're going to, I think so. I think, in my opinion, looking at the way things are being set up, I think that's what they're setting up right now. I think they're going to have Adesanjo. Um, but again, he's got to beat that big Polish guy. Don't get it twisted. He's another one that flew under the radar that all of a sudden we're not really talking about, but he starched um, Johnny Luke Walker. Rockhold, he starched Johnny, Johnny Walker. What he did to Luke Rockhold was ridiculous right i think you know and i'm not saying luke luke rockhold is like the best of the best but he's a former champion he was going up to a weight class that i think he's more suited to just because he's a he's very tall for uh and a hard cut had a hard cut to get down hard cut to get down the middleweight yeah and like at light heavyweight he's still i think he was still like an inch taller than jan so like that's right. where he lives and jan just absolutely it looked like he was in a fucking video game like yeah. like he just like 
built up his power meter and was just like, I'm going to do my super move now, and you're just going to go to sleep. He's, he's another one, not flashy. Doesn't do a whole lot of crazy things. He just walks forward and he throws those big power shots. He's very good at doing simple things, cutting the ring off, blocking, staying safe. And he and when he touches you, every punch he throws is perfectly balanced. When he touches you, you go down. It's over. It's a it's a it's a it's a lights out good night shot when he touches you. Now, I think there's there's a few people that could claim to have had the most successful year in MMA. Cejudo beat uh, Dominic Cruz to, to uh, ret seemingly retire as the triple, triple C, triple champ, one of the most successful combat sports athletes of all time. Adesanya defended his belt, maintained his undefeated record against an incredibly game opponent. Seemingly no limit for this guy. He's going to just jump around until there's a weight class that involves him fighting a, an actual fucking uh, tr like a truck. Um, you, and all, uh, you had uh, Jones seemingly go around a little bit less so just because of his performances but uh yeah you also have habib. habib so and but and then all you cannot bring you can't talk about the goats without talking about amanda nunez she didn't fight a, a whole lot but she's without a doubt the greatest living female mma fighter next to shevchenko um and they might do it again who knows who do you who do you think had the year such a tough question to, to answer there, man. I mean, you could you could put that hat on a lot of different fighters who made the biggest impact. Um, it's difficult. But I think, you know, when, when you talk about who was the greatest for the, the long haul, you have to kind of go with Asanjo just because he's had more than one fight. He fought twice this year. So, so he's the only one on that list that has fought multiple times in the same year. Uh, you know, Gage, he had his amazing fight against Ferguson. He's up in that, he's up in that contingent, up in that talk for sure. Um, and then you know, it's it's hard. I, it's funny because I kind of thought I kind of forgot about Cejudo in the mix because it happened so long ago. I I don't know that I'm putting Cejudo in the same conversation as Khabib as far as greatest martial arts of all time. Maybe the greatest combat athletic of all time. Just if we talk about the gold medal in the Olympic City one, and then on top of that, the three um, the three championship titles. Um, I'm gonna probably go with Khabib. Just because I don't think that there was a more dominant presence in the UFC this year than what we saw from Khabib's performance in his last fight. I mean, he simply starched a very, very, very tough guy in, in Justin Goji. Gagey really freaking just outclassed him, outworked him in every aspect of fighting. He was better on the feet, better on the ground, and toyed with uh, a world class heavy, a world class uh, MMA fighter. And just showed us his greatness and retired on that note. I still think it's hard. I'd like to see him fight more. I wish he'd come back and fight. I still think he's going to. I think if Connor beats Poirier, they make Connor, they make Connor Khabib. And I don't care how how stuck you are in your in your um, in your convictions. Thirty million dollars, fifty million dollars is a whole lot of money. <laughs> Hundred million dollars is a whole lot of money. And it'll be the biggest fight in the history of, your, of, of MMA. I think though he's so legit, he might just donate that entire purse to some like charity. He he seems fairly content in life. I am gonna say Habib also, but for slightly different, like for for added reasons. Because I think it's so important to to remember what he experienced personally this year, and we've all had a lot of difficulties. But to perform at the level he's performing at, and to to be as so dominant that people are truly starting to question what the hell could possibly be next for him, you know, to, to wonder if he really should hang it up because simply put outside of some weird celebrity boxing match with like a YouTube kid 
<laughs> what what really is there to challenge him? You know, like uh, is easy money in some kind of carnival fight or potentially risk injury, but not really defeat against some game opponents. I, I feel like at this point he'd mainly be looking to preserve his his health. He did all of this while also losing his trainer and father, uh, Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov, to uh, influential figures in his life. One of the most influential figures. He'd only just recently been able to corner him uh, at a UFC event. It, it's got a gut. I don't care how stoic he appears. It had to have gutted him fairly hard to, to lose his father at what is such a stressful year for all of us. So I think the fact that he was able to maintain his dominance to that degree while also dealing with you lose your, your, your trainer, your best friend, and your father all in one to this, this pandemic that's ravaging the world. I cannot, I can't go, I can't overstate how impressive that is. And for me, that's, that adds to his legacy. And that's why this, this year belongs to Nurmagomedov. No, no, I'll, doubt. I'll go, I'll go, I'll agree with that myself with you too. I don't, I don't think there's, and just on top of that, I don't think there's ever been a more dominant performer in, in the UFC. I don't think I've ever seen someone truly strike fear in the heart of their opponents and just completely steal every ounce of will away from them every time he's fought as much as Khabib is. I, there's, I don't, there's never been a fight in which his competitor was ever even in it. And that's so impressive to think that, that, that he's that good. Um, so kudos to, to Khabib. All right. Yeah. And I think that uh, on that point, we should look more towards the grappling world. Although Khabib could probably win ADCC if you really <laughs> Maybe. So, I think so. I think I, like, for that. Also, we were talking with Chase, uh, Chase Hooper, a UFC uh, newcomer, just had a, a big win. So, hey, Chase, we love you. Come back, please. Um, I, I, he was talking to, to us about how, like, once you've done MMA, like, doing jiu-jitsu tournaments, like, the stress is just gone. You know, like, you could be doing it at the highest level, and it's like, oh, I'm not getting punched in the face? Okay, like, this is, like, this is fine. My heart rate's not going to go up. I might lose, but I'm not going to freak out either. And I, I think that with that, with how much uh, competition he's faced in the octagon, Habib probably could face down Buchecha and be like, yeah, this is, this is number one bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you should give him a knife. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I agree with you, man. I, I, we'll see, we'll see how, what the future holds for uh, Khabib. I'd, I'd like to see him figure out a way to peek his head back in some kind of competition or other. I think that someone will figure out a way to, dangle him enough money even if it's not uh in the ufc we'll probably see a big name grappling match with khabib where he's going to get paid some big money just to go out there he's a competitor and he's not ready to stop no matter what his convincers tell him to do so i hope i hope we get to see that all right now i know that we've had there's been a lot of grapplers that have made waves this year and i know we already talked about submission underground but it's really tough to think of 2020 is anything other than Mason Fowler's year. Yes, it's a good like point. The, the guy showed up at Submission Underground as the the ultimate of underdogs. You know that Submission Underground was Craig Jones's like home. It was he was the king in the in the octagon. He was beating everybody. He broke Vinny Magalesh's leg on camera, which is just weird to see. Going up against that guy, you're. No one's rooting for you. No one's thinking you got a shot. Not only does he beat Craig, he beats him again and has continued to defend his belt against several big names. And just recently against Ryan, Ryan Bader just the other day. 
in like under a minute. Like it was like a 10 second uh, arm lock from bottom that got him. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's had as good a year as him. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, 100% when you talk about, you know, probably the amount of money he's making grappling right now, <laughs> it's been a pretty good year from him. Um, you know, uh, you could talk about some names like Roberto Jimenez, you know, John Combs had a good year. Uh, a couple of the smaller guys, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, William Tackett's out there crushing it. Wagner's always winning. Cyborg had a big year. Um, but it's it's difficult because there haven't really been you know any major events to talk about uh, as far as there's been lots of professional events, uh, but nothing that could really solidify and signify who is the greatest grappler. We didn't really have an ADCC, uh, the worlds are kind of shot this year. We didn't have any like major major top tier events with everyone in, invited. We've had a lot of guys that are continuing to to, to perform on the circuit, but nothing to really signify who is the greatest. So when you talk about someone that is winning in the same event and he continues to knock off top tier guys, one after the other, after the other, I don't think there's anyone but Mason Fowler on that list to really, to really consider. I mean, honestly, like no offense, but you would have been on the list, but you, you know, you lost me some money on that. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm fat and out of shape, kid. Thanks for bringing. Hey, me. man, 2021. <laughs> let's let's like let's all agree to make 2021 the hot the like the year of the hot body. You know, we all get back in the gym. <laughs> we get vaccinated. Like we get vaccinated as shit. We start doing trend. We just start pushing weight at the gym, doing squats, working on those compounds, and just get jacked as hell. Let's just let's all do it. <laughs> we we could talk a little bit about uh. Obviously, Gordon Ryan uh, finding his way down to uh, to to Puerto Rico with the with the Dan squad. You know, yeah. RIP to his father, Big Gord, died recently. Sad story, and and, and you know, but it doesn't take away from uh, Gordon Ryan's uh, <laughs> sometimes tumultuous uh, escapades into the uh, the the Facebook world with some of the things he says and some of the tweets he says and some of his Facebook posts and Instagrams posts. But that's the way he is, and that's who he is, and he moved I, out of the city for that reason. I mean, I, it's funny just because just to talk a little bit more about Big Gord, you know, uh, all respect to him. He definitely was a crazy cat, and I feel like everybody around him kind of understood the type of guy he was, and I think that was further that was most epitomized when Gary Tonin on Instagram. Uh, I'm not going to show this uh, because I don't know if it's okay, but Gary Tonin actually took a selfie and posted it right. to Instagram at Big Gord's wake right. with Big Gord, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like. Man, that's disrespectful. And he's like, you didn't even know the guy. He would have like thought this was cool. And I'm just people like, really give him trash for that. That's funny. Well, I mean, also, yeah, I'm, I looked. I was like, is this okay, man? I don't know. <laughs> you know, whatever. I thought it was paying him respect. You know. Oh the, yeah, the I, dude I, lived the, the dude. You lived a unique life. He would have loved that. So I think we have no idea what the landscape of jujitsu is going to look like in the Northeast anyway, you know, right. with so much high level talent, Nikki Rod just recently announced that he was also following, uh, Gordon and everybody else down there. Uh, John Donaher, mastermind of, of Henzo's NYC moving down there as well. That looks like they're going to start a new affiliation. Um, yeah, this is, and it's weird because I heard this news and immediately thought, Oh, this is just Gordon, like trolling. Like he's not serious. Cause he's, He's fake retired before. He's done a bunch of stuff. He said he was going to compete in the Gi. Look what happened. Um, 
And but then it's real. Like the people started buying property, and it looks like the gym is starting up in a, in a little bit. So, how do you feel? How do you think this will affect the the jujitsu world going into twenty twenty one? Um, well, I think it's definitely going to change the climate of training in Puerto Rico. I, I can already see Puerto Rico becoming a major hub for jiu-jitsu talent for the future. Not that it already isn't already. I'm sure there's some amazing athletic athletes in, in, on the Isle of Puerto Rico. There's a, they're genetic freaks down there. Um, <laughs> so having the inclusion of Gordon Ryan and John Danaher and, you know, Mo Jasmine's down there a lot, you know, they were already setting up training camps. I could see lots and lots of things, particularly now in the climate that we're living in where guys just can't train. You know, I think one of the reasons why we didn't see Gordon Ryan in as many events, and I'm maybe, I, I don't want to speak for Gordon. I apologize if by chance he sees this, please don't send me a nasty uh, Facebook message correcting me. But it seems to me that part of the reasons why there, he's not competing as much as he is simply because he's not able to train as high a level as he'd like to um, because his gyms are starting to open. So now he's down in Miami. That's one of the reasons he quoted for leaving, but now he's down in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, where it's legal, do whatever you want to, run the streets, do what you want. And he can start bringing people in from other parts of the country, other parts of the world to come to Puerto Rico and train. And I, I think we're going to start seeing more of Gordon Ryan in the competition circuit, more Gordon Ryan on on professional events to to be able to get his his, his competition game back out there again. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in the new faces that we're probably going to see out of whatever gym those guys start uh, producing champions out of down there. But back home, I, I've talked about this before, but I, I'm really excited to see how the guys that are sticking around the Northeast kind of react to this big vacuum that's going uh, to be created. Because, A, you can assume that the guys that are leaving probably aren't going to be competing in as many shows in America for at least a little bit. You know, They're going to be focused on building their gym down, uh, down in Puerto Rico. So I'm I'm thinking this could give some guys that have been you know stuck on the undercards on a lot of shows uh, more opportunities. You know we we start to create create more stars. We get uh, some newbies more time on the big the big stages. And I personally know living up here and knowing some of the the guys that are positioned to sort of take those spots. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see the new the new meta the new jujitsu meta that we're probably going to see in 2021. Um, yeah, jujitsu is everywhere now. I I can honestly say that, in my opinion, more than anything, when I think about this year as a whole, I think about this year as the onslaught of the new breed of jujitsu competitor. We're starting to see guys like John Combs, like Roberto Jimenez, these William Tackett, these young, uh, strong uh, black belts that are that are well versed in the competition scene, the point scene, and the submission only scene that are doing phenomenal intricate jujitsu but also understand how to maintain and grind at a high level and they have been training you know since kids uh the new american uh 18 19 year old jujitsu practitioner 22 year old jujitsu practitioner started training when they were eight nine years old and they've already got 10 years of training and 15 years of training and we're starting to see that it's it's exciting to see the transition of that it's going to be very exciting to see the future of these new young bucks becoming the legendary figures they're faced to become with. I mean, the rate of really young, talented guys that are able to go toe to toe with, and and some in some cases beat seasoned black belts with like uh, a new way of teaching. You know, we we brought Jay Regalbuto on a little while ago, and he talked about that. 
jujitsu is is an ever-changing thing it's not stagnant you know there's some basic truths that we understand but even some of those are being overturned you know and i'm, I'm just excited as someone who doesn't need for it to be any one way you know i'm not married to the status quo i don't get anything out of that i i'm really excited to see what kind of changes we could make we could see because people that are coming in and leading the charge and being on the bleeding edge they're gonna reveal new methods and new techniques and new tricks for like those of us that are like hobbyists and or are not going to win worlds any day anytime soon i mean you might you could just go and do it again i don't know <laughs> you've done it before so you could do it again i don't know i'm just, I'm, I'm just saying three I'm, times it's a big deal three times hey <laughs> fucking don't don't sweep that under the rug it's a big I, I was deal. upset i was upset that i didn't get beat this year it was in it was in orlando i should have figured i'd always suck it up but i was still kind of dealing with that COVID stuff i wasn't really ready for it you were yeah no, i'm not gonna not gonna totally excuse like the the match but you also were just dealing with covid you know you yeah. were not right behind the scenes you were not okay in a lot of ways leading up to that yeah but I, I don't i don't want to use that for an excuse i do no, no you, you were also josh was awesome but. josh was great you were facing a game opponent i'm just saying you know don't let this define how you're like don't let that define how you're going to compete next time around thanks right? Kev. i appreciate that buddy I yeah. thanks thanks for the thanks for the motivational talk man I, it, hey, even just, a blue belt can inspire a black belt every once in a while, Kev. <laughs> yeah, and just and just don't like don't make me waste two hundred dollars again, man. All right. So, uh, more importantly, make I sure don't you have that to spend. Bet money on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like everybody's like, dude, we're gonna make so much money, and you're like, I don't need that right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. You didn't want to tell them no. I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> how, how much are you betting? So, I. I I want to talk about some of, like we 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 saw a lot of really cool performances from everybody like from a ton of people submission I feel like submission personally I found submission underground to be my favorite in terms of like uh, the shows and the consistency with complete which they package were they they they, just, they got it down it's on Fight Pass I love Fight Pass Chael Sutton's amazing great great competition good names they they did a really good job of putting on a solid product. Yeah, and although I do have to say that one of my other favorite matches of the year is it's one that flew under the radar for a lot of people. It was a uh, Cyborg Lovato three, you oh, yeah, know, Cyborg right. versus Rafael Lovato, uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. It was you know Cyborg at that point hadn't fully shaken off the Nicky Rod controversy where he got beat at uh, IBJJF. I think it was wait, it was it ABCC or IBJJF? All right, he lost to Nicky Rod controversially. ABCC. Yeah. And then he fought him to a draw in their next timeout. And a lot of people kind of thought, oh, is Cyborg on the way out, you know? And then he went up against Rafael. Absolute war. You know, we got to see Cyborg's foot sweeps. We got to see how aggressive and, and stout he is on the feet, just like unmovable like a fucking I was at, I was at that match, match side. Yeah. It was, yeah, that's, that's famously again something we got they got pushed under the rug because of COVID. It happened a long time ago. That was the famous uh no athlete got paid uh fiasco. Yeah. It was the it was the sumo wrestling, it was the nonsense, it was like what, what was it called? Was it wasn't called fight tournament? It, it was called uh, substars. Substars, right. Substars, yeah. I I can't help but think just of oh, man, that, that was we were so pissed about that. I remember everybody COVID hit like a month later, so that guy got a pass. <laughs> I mean 
Yeah, I, didn't you say you knew it was kind of Fugazi? Yeah, I, I I had been on a couple of that guy's events before. I competed on one of his events down in Miami, and and I met him. And previously, his events were you know were nice, but they were also kind of lower in, not necessarily lower in, but not anywhere near the the range and and the spec the spectrum that he was trying to put on for this for this last event. And I personally had talked to the guy a few times, and I remember the few times I mentioned him, I was like, wow, like hmm, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer <laughs> and then thinking to myself like how did this guy get himself caught up in this position to where he's he's, he's putting out i think it was a hundred two hundred thousand dollars worth of payouts he was promising athletes for his event and 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 he had a huge venue to pay through and he's getting in sumo wrestlers it was just such a gargantuan event that was way out of this guy's realm of pulling off and to find out of course obviously he was you know not necessarily intentfully schooling people over but really didn't understand the logistics of how to get people paid and everybody got screwed yeah and i i, I don't want to minimize how shitty that guy is and that event was for not paying the athletes but i also i don't want to discount how great that match was yes just because cyborg proved everybody he still has a has a like a, a place at the top at the top of the heat and Lovato, everyone was like, how is this guy going to put on a good show when he's focused on, you know, Bellator, MMA, he's doing his thing. And he was absolutely incredible from, like, the back, constantly attacking. You could argue that under, like, fight-to-win rule sets, he would have won just because of all the attacks that he was lobbying yeah. up from the bottom. And Cyborg proved he's, he's resilient. He's a master of whatever, like, of whatever parameters he's given for a match like stayed safe stayed healthy got the golden point and a lot of people thought like came away thinking that's a great way for him to like end his big professional career and then he absolutely went on a massive tear at, at third coast grappling kumite you know at the tor tournaments he uh, aside from mason he was one of the other guys who just had an incredible 2020 i was gonna say that too i, th I think if you talk about guys that really went on tour i can remember a few times watching the tear that cyborg went on and thought to myself wow like it's amazing that this guy has you know he's been doing it now for well over a decade i remember when i was a blue belt cyborg is one of the names he won the adcc absolute uh i think it was 2010 or 12 or something like that so he had been training he's been competing at a super high level cyborg was on top of the tier before really had this massive explosion of professional jiu-jitsu that we're seeing now cyborg is one of the names that you spoke about as an elite and here we are 10 years later and he's still out there dominating against guys sometimes 15 years younger than he is you know he goes out there against barbosa but is about 25 you know he you know cyborg's up there 38 40 years old now it's impressive to see him be able to do that. And one more thing, just to give a special uh, shout out, because as good as Cyborg was, friend of the show, uh, <laughs> guest of the show, Bruno Bastos was able to beat him in the uh, the finals of his division. I believe it was at the Masters World this year. So shout out to Bruno Bastos again, a legendary figure of the Jiu Jitsu world. Uh, very happy for him to be able to put on the show that he did and put on display. He does to beat the legendary uh, Cyborg. He deserves all the accolades. Bruno Bastos is the platinum standard for what I believe a jiu-jitsu practitioner should be in this world. So thank him for that. I there's you know in a year like this there's so many people that deserve a lot of thanks for keeping the the ball rolling in uh, in this crazy world we all inhabit. And I know there's not enough time in the world to to thank all of them. But it, are, are there any? I don't know. Is there is there anything we're forgetting? Do you think? Because I, I feel like we covered a lot. 
the so one thing I wanted to bring up, and it's not necessarily a competition thing. It's not necessarily about the world of, of competitive MMA or competitive jiu-jitsu. I just want to give big ups to uh, Robert Drysdale for releasing his book, Opening Closed Guard. That was a huge piece of our jiu-jitsu world over the last six months in particular. I can't remember. I had more correspondence with Robert Drysdale. I think we're, we're BFS now. It was kind of weird. <laughs> I think I have a huge man crush on. I just called, texted him in a little night. He texted me right back. We we had a little thing going. And, uh, you know, talking about his book, Open and Closed Guard, which is obviously a, uh, uh, you know, a a book that describes the processes of his documentary with the same name when he was filming his documentary. And, you know, it tells the true story as truly as he can from a truly historical background of the story of jiu-jitsu. And it was amazing, amazing. If you haven't read it, I know we talked about it on pretty much every show. We interviewed him. I wrote an article about it. Like, um, it's amazing. Robert Drysdale was amazing. And and the book really helps to fill in some holes with some people that may not understand where the true lineage of jiu-jitsu comes from and kind of help tell that story. I think that's a really good point, And I don't want to minimize that because – it's it's yet another thing that kind of got swept under the rug because of COVID and delayed uh, as a result because he still had a lot of traveling to do and it's just a it's a shame because this book the story that's painted just from the making of the documentary is incredible you know he's flying to get money from like shady oligarchs and he's he's, he's trying to scramble together some funds and like. People don't want him to. There's people saying he's pushing a narrative. And there's this established story that we were all told at, about the origins of jiu-jitsu. And it turns out it's, it's uh, for the most part, fraudulent in, in many key aspects that, are, that make you just kind of raise your eyebrows. Like people have been saying half-truths for this whole time. So <laughs> if you have not and you're still looking for – if you just got, you know, grandma gave you some, some dollar bills for the holidays and you, you got nothing to spend it on. I would highly recommend you go pick up a book called Opening uh, Opening Closed Guard, which is the, the making of Closed Guard documentary by Robert Drysdale, also written by Robert Drysdale. It is a phenomenal read, full endorsement from the JJT podcast, five stars. Um, it is a nuts story. If you you have any interest on the origins of this sport, pretty cool. It's 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 based to, it's recitations of the interviews he did with a lot of the historical figures of jujitsu. And he went to Japan, he went to Brazil, and he did some interviews in the U.S. And it's it tells a lot of the stories about where he was in these particular places. And it there's there honestly, and not trying to overdo it, there are certain moments in that book that for a martial arts enthusiast like yourself and someone that lives eats jujitsu like myself. Um, that are just absolutely beautiful. There's certain excerpts in that book that just take your breath away and make you really believe, wow, what an amazing thing jujitsu is. It is an amazing thing. And despite its best efforts, COVID couldn't keep couldn't it kill down. Us. Yeah, keep it couldn't us kill us. We're still ain't fucking no, ain't, no beer, ain't no beer flu keeping me down. <laughs> keep it jujitsu. And, and when the, the mutant aliens show up next year and only destroy jujitsu gyms for some reason because the world hates us. We'll still find a way to train. All right. I'll be, I'll be arm locking aliens across the board, man. Oh man. The, the aliens are notoriously susceptible to omoplatas. That's, it's very, very easy. Very, so very easy. easy to, very easy. Shows. Maybe not so much the heel hooks, but the arm bars are right there. Oh, by the way, if you, I don't know. Did you see submission underground last night? I didn't. Um, I was ready to watch it. And I, I, you know, I, I talk a lot of trash. I don't watch a lot of jujitsu competition. <laughs> You can tell me what happens. <laughs> One thing I love about Sug is that a lot of events kind of tend to drag on. You're guaranteed in and out in like two hours. Oh, yeah. The they, don't, they don't play around. Can't, they just, they're like, oh, have a nice day. We'll see you later. See you next week. They're just like, we got to go. Come on, come on, come on. Next month, um, next month will be bigger. 
Um, Boogie, uh, friend of the show, Boogie, uh, Richie Boogie Martinez, Boogeyman Martinez, had an incredible, incredible yeah. finish inside like 30 seconds, I think. It was just like a, a rolling omoplata. Um, you should check that out. It's probably – they'll post it on YouTube probably. I saw, I saw – I didn't see the clip, but I saw a little little excerpt article talking about the different wins. I'll probably – you know what? I got a little time. I may plug that in and watch that right now and see what's coming on with that. All right. Well, you know, I think to we shouldn't spend too much time kicking 2020 out the door because then it might try and stick around. So – I think it's time to close it. I think it's time to close this last episode of the year. We'll try and get this up uh, by midnight tonight so that you guys can, you know, sort of look back on 2020 by the, by tomorrow morning or in the afternoon. I mean, can I say one thing before we go, Kev? I just, you know, I sure. just real quick before, before we should, you know, I got to get my emotional thing on New, Year, New Year's Eve. I, I, I like to wax poetically whenever I get the opportunity to, but I, you know, I, I'd like to, first of all, thank all of you. And I'm sure you're going to do the same, Kev, all, all of the viewers out there and all of the amazing guests we've had on the show. Cause we've had some doozies. You know, we've really have had some pretty impressive, amazing guest laura sanko from the ufc we had robert drysdale a li- whole list of of go course go course roddy roddy uh oh god i can't think of his name the uh roddy ferguson roddy uh, ferguson oh Rondell Benjamin, amazing amazing <laughs> robert drysdale you know joe lazone so, so first of all, thank you to all of you for listening, and thank you for all the amazing guests that have come on. Because without you guys, me and Kev would just be talking to ourselves and, and and not be able to continue to do things we do. And you know, secondly, I just want to say that you know this year's been difficult. Obviously, no question about it. 2020 has been one of the hardest years that any of us could ever imagine. But believe it or not, it's actually been a pretty good year for me. And a pretty good year for Kevin in, in, in certain aspects. He's got engaged. He had some good things coming to himself. You know, we started – I we started up the ju- the ACG uh, Jiu-Jitsu Club uh, uh, article series. I'm editing for that. Kevin's been writing for that. Maria's been writing. we got a couple good writers for that. Uh, good content we put out with that. We've been doing the podcast. I've been killing it with private lessons. So the point I'm trying to say is this. Um, we can drill on the horrible things that have happened this year. We can think about all the bad things and all the stuff that has happened to – to push us down and, and to divide us and, and to make this world more difficult. Or we could po- focus on the positive things because every one of you can look back on something you did to, to, to buckle down and, and get through the trauma and get through the hard places that have, that have come up this year. And, you know, through adversity and through, uh, through, 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 through situations of, 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 of pain and suffering, sometimes greatness occurs. So focus on the great things you had to do to overcome that adversity and the amazing things you did to to move on and plow through and enjoy your new year when 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 you think about that man i would i would just like to like uh put a pin on that obviously uh like kevin said shout out to all the incredible guests uh that we've had over this this wild wild ride we've been on you know uh, nick rodriguez um uh Oh my God, I'm blanking on so many. Mr. McDojo Life, Rob from McDojo Life, um, uh, Chris Howder, Nick the Tooth. Chris Howder, Nick the Tooth. <laughs> I just, I, it's overwhelming yeah. when it's I really think about it. It's, it's amazing the amazing. amount of people we've had on here, the, the amazing jujitsu talent that we've had on this show. We've, and with next year, I got, I've already got four or five. Lined up, Barry Yoshida. We've got uh, Elizabeth Clay. We've got John Cones. Eventually, we're going to get him on. There's plenty of talent out there. And if you're watching this show and you happen to come across, come on the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. We'd love to talk to Jiu-Jitsu legends. Come I, on in. Come on in. 
I, you know, when I when I talked about Kit, uh, we I I put out a like thank you uh, around November, Thanksgiving to because that was the anniversary of when we started the show. But really, this year has been so turbulent. I, I want to reiterate, I didn't think this was going to last past ten episodes. I really didn't know. I I really wasn't sure. I was in school at the time, and I I thought this will just help me get an, another job. You know, I thought maybe this will help me show like get a job at like Spectrum or. CBS or ESPN or something, and it's turned into one of the biggest tent poles of my life. You know, it's something I look forward to doing every single week. And the, the responses we've gotten, you know, Martin Ford, a big movie star, hit me back just because jujitsu is that kind of close knit community. We've got some guests coming up that you wouldn't even believe, and they've grown from just in some cases guests to being really good friends and like acquaintances that we're all getting along with. And you've been around for all of it. You know, you guys have been following us, supporting us, you know, sharing our stuff and, and hitting us up in the comments sometimes to just tell us we're doing a good job. And all of it means a lot. You know, it means a, a great deal when you support us. And we can't thank you enough for, for you sticking by us in this difficult time. And we can't wait for it to show you what we got coming down the pipeline because it's going to be even better. You know, once COVID start, sort of lessens, I'm going to be doing a lot more traveling. We'll be trying to meet up in person at times once we get vaccinated. We've never actually, we've never hung out. It's a bummer. Um, (laughs) And I just, on that point, I want to say we've gotten to interview some incredible athletes and legends in the sport. Um, But uh, I want to say my favorite interview of 2020 and the show as a whole has been you, Kev. You know, getting to know, getting to know you, you know, my co-pilot, my, my podcast husband, Throughout all this this craziness, you've been the most interesting and and learned voice we've had on the show. I've learned a lot from you, and that I consider you a great friend. I want to thank you for all the demons you had to conquer in order to make this year uh, one of your better ones. And you know, this this show wouldn't be a show without you. Couldn't well, do thank it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm I'm gonna go with Robert Drysdale, but you're cool too, kid. Yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. All right? <laughs> hey, everybody, go watch uh, on YouTube. I think Seth is gonna put up that match where Kev lost like a like a dumb idiot. So <laughs> it's been a pleasure. To- uh, you know, yeah. but believe it or not, I, I I'll say this one time, and then we can quit kissing each other's ass. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I know you thank me a lot for being the talking head because you say, well, you know, without without you, I'm just some dude. But, like, Kev, you really put this thing together. Like, if it wasn't for you doing all the behind-the-scenes stuff, doing all the back-end stuff, like, I'm just some dude with a laptop and a microphone that talks about jiu-jitsu. Like, you're the one that really makes this and thing And three happen. three world's medals, you know. But who's a couple gold cool chan- couple, couple couple cool medals. It's no big deal. <laughs> I, I don't think we need to to pat ourselves on the back anymore. So I think that the the only way to appropriately close out this show is just one more time thanking everybody that's a, a, a positive part of this big community, this big family we're all members of. You know, we've all been helping each other out in a lot of ways. And if you're a dick, get the hell out. We don't like you. Um, stop being a dick or leave. You know, that's that's all I got to say about that. Well, listen, no judges needed, folks. No judges needed. No judges needed. Just go get – buy the stuff. Have you not bought it yet? Are you crazy? AJT, 20% off. It's an amazing discount. And with that, I just want to say, 2020, you've been just a massive pain in the ass. You've been, you've been the pebble in everybody's shoe for about a year now. Oddly enough, you we start. You started with wildfires. That wasn't enough. You, you included civil riots and and uh, a, an election year 
And Kobe Bryant didn't... died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the things we're forgetting. About. Kobe Bryant died. We lost the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, and then the pandemic shut down the planet. You suck so bad. Hopefully, hopefully we don't kick off 2021 with the Civil War. We'll see how that Go goes. away. No one wants you here. You couldn't kill us. We're still here. And, yeah, it's that's it. We made it, folks. We made it. And uh, I want you to take a moment to think about that. Whatever troubles you're going through in life, if you're listening to this, that means you made it. That means you, you got through to the end and you, there's a whole new year. There's a, a new chance to start over and recommit to things you might have let fall by the wayside. I'm going to start running again. I got about 20 pounds to lose. I'm going to be a nicer guy. I'm going to be... I'm going to be a better jujitsu athlete. I'm going to go to practice more. I'm not going to get so bogged down with losing. Um, yeah, and I'm, right, I'm going to try. And have, you're even, you're even losing me. <laughs> Let's right, do the those, are my, those are my BJJ, BJJ resolutions, you know. And uh, if you got some best re- resolutions, uh, tweet them out. Hashtag BJJ resolutions. You know, see what you're going to improve on. Work on that closed guard that sucks. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. You got anything else, Kev? Good stuff, man. Good, good night. Let's put, let me put my thumb up and call it a day. All right, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the hat off. I'm gonna just get I'm gonna crack my back, and me and the lady are gonna order some Chinese food. To all of you out there, thank you for being our our, our passengers on this wild ride of 2020. And we hope you'll re up your ticket for 2021 because we're not going anywhere, baby. We're only gonna ramp up. We're gonna get bigger, meaner, and leaner, and we're just we're never gonna go away. You know, JJG podcast, 100 years, 200 years, 5,000 episodes, baby. Uh, That being said, I have been your host, Mr. Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Thank you. We love you. And have a happy new year. Happy new year, guys. Happy new year. Woo!